you wished upon a star. Now we want you to share with us our latest and greatest dream. Disneyland. Just go to Action Park, there's no other park like it. Six Flags Great Adventure. It's not a world away. Paramount's Kings Island. We will officially open Universal Studios Florida. Hello, I'm Michael Eisner. Now, here is your host. Hi, and welcome back to the Defunct Land Podcast. My name is Kevin Perger. Today, I am joined by a very special guest that is long overdue. However, a series of very, well, mostly good and one unfortunate closure of an attraction made this the perfect time to interview um, my good friend and collaborator, Nate Beagle. Nate, thanks Hello. for coming on. Oh, dude, thank you again. Thank you so much for even having me on. But yeah, I guess it is long overdue for us to have a nice little fun chat. It's super long overdue. We've done little things like late at night. I think after Buzzy got stolen, we did a, a live stream to tell you about it because you just got off one of the ships. Oh, um, that's right. We did that with Dan. That's right. That was funny. Yeah, because you guys because you had no idea what was going on. Nope. You guys just threw me on the spot. That was really fun, actually. Though. So we've done a little thing, but you've never been on the podcast, and I and uh and so a few things that are exciting that we'll we'll all we'll we'll get into. But you know, uh, Nate is a audio extraordinaire. Um, he does all of the mixing and editing for Defunct Land. So if you ever wonder why my voice sounds so smooth um, on the sh- the Defunct Land show and so choppy and amateurish on the Defunct Land podcast, it's because <laughs> Nate is a magician. I just bring I just bring out the dulcet tones and a, I smooth them out so so they can be showcased <laughs> the in their true form of the Kevin Perger. <laughs> luscious baritone which i'm actually trying to mimic right now i typically have a higher pitched voice but uh being on the road and uh all the all the living on a tour bus with some air is has a recycled air has has brought me down to your level now so i feel like i'm 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 in the kevin perger baritone (laughs) well we got to get into the whole thing we got to do it linearly all of our filthy business (laughs) um so nate is a not only is he the audio extraordinaire behind Defunct Land and many audiobooks, but he was also a part of the cast of Great Moments in Muppet History at the Magic Kingdom, which just closed like three yes. days ago or something. Literally, literally about three years to the date that it opened. Which is odd because you because people kept saying it was just a seasonal thing, but it closed mm-hmm. at the same time that it opened. Well, it's like, well, we don't need live entertainment in September. And it's like, well, this opened in September. <laughs> Right. Um, oh yeah, because people in Florida don't like being outside in the fall. The only time where you can the be. The only time you can survive more than five minutes outdoors <laughs> yeah. in Florida. But you get to go into all sorts of climates right now, I'm sure, because the most exciting news coming from the Beagle booth is that Nate is touring with Mystery Science Theater 3000's live tour. And it has a more official name than that. What is it, Nate? Yes, we are. Uh, this is the Mystery Science Theater 3000 Live, the Great Cheesy Movie Circus Tour. The Great Cheesy Movie Circus Tour. Yep. That's great. Um, but it's a huge, huge thing for you um, to to be on this to be on this tour i mean i defunct land is pretty big time i will i will i'll give you that like that's a huge accomplishment to to save me every day but (laughs) this thing is like this thing's been going on for decades yeah this uh it is not an understatement to say that this is a 
I, I've talked about it a little bit, but, um, before, but I, and I typically shy away from the term dream come true when it comes to <laughs> working on things and working on projects and stuff. Um, but it is not an understatement to say that this is literally, especially me personally, uh, a massive dream that I never remotely thought would ever be possible come true that I would be able to be working on and performing a, a an iconic character in my eyes and to many others uh, f- uh, for this tour uh, is truly a massive dream. And uh, it's crazy. Every day I'm, I'm still baffled that I'm here and get to do this. Because you're playing Crow T. Robot, right? Did I get his middle initial correct? Yes, Crow T. Robot. And for those that might not know, the T stands for the. But it's, it's fancier when you just say Crow T. Robot versus Crow the Robot. And this is all because you're super talented and you're on top of being an audio extraordinaire. You're a puppeteer extraordinaire as well. It kind of how this came about, uh, it, it it is a, the show itself is, I've been with it and been a quote unquote Misty since pretty much day one. The first year the show has been on for over 30 or the show started over 30 years ago. And I've been a fan of it for that time since uh, the late 80s. And uh, it has never wavered as I've gotten older. And the show has very much uh, informed my personality, my sense of humor, and my love fueled my already existing love of wanting to be a performer and puppetry and comedy and love of movies or making fun of bad ones. And uh, so... It kind of is a real nice like full circle moment, I guess you could say, that I am now get to all of the skills and things that I've uh, come to acquire over said period of time since starting watching the show has led me to be able to be part of the show. That's with puppetry and voice work and the, the very specific type of puppetry that we're doing for this particular tour, which is very different than they've done the last two live tours that they've done. So this is um, the Great Cheesy Movie Circus Tour is the third live tour that Mystery Science Theater has done, uh, which they kicked off shortly after the first Kickstarter and the first uh, new rejuvenation of the series on Netflix. And uh, the first tour was the, um, the 30th anniversary tour. The second tour was uh, in 2017 for the Watch Out for Snakes tour. And uh, now this one, the Great Cheesy Movie Circus Tour, and they've changed it somewhat meaning uh, the last two tours were very much what you see on the TV show, where it's like Joel and or Jonah and the bots uh, behind the desk doing silly sketches and then cut to movie sign and then they go and they riff on the movie. For this one, Joel, uh, I should also preface, uh, Joel Hodgson, the creator of the Mystery Science Theater, is on this tour with us. And this is his final uh, live touring uh, his final tour with it. It's the, final, the last time he's going to go out with the show live. Um, he's not leaving the show. It's still very much his show and he's still working with it. But um, tour life is tough to go to a different city every day for seven months. Uh, takes a bit of a toll. And so he's ready to, uh, you know, hang up his heel, uh, hang up his spurs on that one. Um, but so this one in doing his last final live appearance with the show he um wanted to really kind of beef up 
the magic of the show. And so he's brought, he wanted to bring the characters, the bots, out from just behind the desk and really have them take the stage. So you'll see Tom Servo flying around on stage. You'll see Crow walking and riding a bike and riding a pogo stick uh, all over the stage. So it's very... um. Uh, the puppetry elements that we utilize now are much different than they've done previously. And so my experience with stage puppetry and Bunraku and blacklight puppetry have uh, behooved me quite uh, well in being a part of this show. And uh, so I was hired on uh, presently as the lead puppeteer and helped facilitate a lot of the practical applications of the of the scripts that they had written and what they wanted to see and how we can actually manipulate the puppets, uh, you know, taking what they have on the page and saying, well, all right, if you want him to do this, this is the best way for us to achieve it for the, for the look that you want. Um, so they've been utilizing my practical stage puppetry knowledge a lot, um, which has been uh, amazing. And uh, I'm very grateful to uh, be that uh you know, a little beacon of knowledge in regards to this, because this is pretty new for them, for the Mystery Science Theater team. This is a whole new um, world to step into. A whole new uh, world. Uh, yes, to bring it around to Disney. Uh, a whole new world for them to step into, really, uh, outside of TV and uh, for stage application. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it's it's pretty, it's it's amazing. And uh, it's, it is, it's a full circle moment. It's one of those, like, everything you do, everything you work for, can be a stepping stone to the next big thing. And uh, like I said, it, 30 years ago, if you would have told me as a kid, like one day you're going to work with that guy and be that guy. You're going to be that pup. You're going to be that robot one day. I'd, it's crazy. And I, I literally, I step on stage and I get to be Crow and I get to sit next to Joel Hodgson and watch a bad movie and make fun of it. That's literally everything. It's amazing. It's it's so I I'm very grateful and I am uh so excited and we're having so much fun. It is like as much fun as the audience I will say the audiences have been just exquisite. Just the Mystery Science Theater has 30 years of fans and the new fans every day. The new series has caused new fans to come out um and I've come I've been trying to stay socially media engaged. You can look up um on Twitter and Instagram, hashtag MST3KLive, and all the fans that have been posting. And I've seen a lot of stories of uh, guys and, and, and uh, men and women who loved the show as a kid are now bringing their kid to see the show. And now the kid is a huge fan. It's just amazing. It's just a really cool thing to be a part of. And it's, it's really special. That's really cool. I don't, I'm trying to think of a comparable for me. It'd be like if they redid Horizons and let me design it. I mean, that would be, that would be my, a bit, you know, that's never going to happen. So I'm glad you got your thing because it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. And it, it, it mimics another compromise, uh, a comparable situation I could say is when I got to work with them, with the Muppets. Right. Yes. Another comparable situation of, of literally I get to help bring to life characters that are so immensely important to me and and who I am and what I've done with my life and career very much a part of it they're like the through line MST3K and the Muppets are like two of my main through lines since I can re remember since literally I could form thought <laughs> is is those two and the fact that I have been able to help bring to life 
these characters is is nothing short of astonishing to me constantly and i'm extremely uh uh proud and grateful for the opportunity and i um really hope that i'm do a great job to bring justice to said characters and also you know when you get your hands on a character or you get handed a character that is so well known and so many has had previous performers that are just amazing you want to try to you know there's character continuity there's like there's you know who is this character you want to be true to that character but then also you get to kind of make them your own a little bit and um that's always pretty great. We got to do the same thing with the Muppets. Um, I got luckily was able to perform and puppeteer Kermit and Gonzo and Sam Eagle and Piggy. And uh, even though the track was pre-recorded, the audio was there. We still got to add our own little flares to it, you know, of like our own little intentions of like, what exactly are they thinking when they're saying this line there's many different ways you could interpret a line you know there's a an overt obvious way that the muppet performer who did the voice had an intention whilst recording the dialogue but then in in the world when you're in the windows with them and they're in the scene it can you can kind of change it a little bit with a with a subtle movement so um getting to make kermit and piggy and gonzo and sam my own and making my own choices with how they react to other people, you know, even when there's no dialogue, how they would react to somebody saying something. It was, oh, it was so much fun. I had, uh, I, I'm extremely honored to have been a part of the Muppets um, lexicon for even the short period of time that it was there in the parks. So yes, to bring it back to what you said about that, I, I was on part of the opening cast and one of the first Kermits, um, Kermit performers in the park. And then when I was with the show for the two years, I was with the show for two years before I left. Two of Disney. the three years. Two of the three years that it was on. Yeah. Before <laughs> I left Disney. Um, and uh, I loved every second of it. It was just really just amazing to be able to be a part of that. Let's back up and kind of go through uh, the life of Nate, because while we have <laughs> spent a significant amount of time together, whether it be in person or uh, through voice calls or emails or messages or me saying does my voice really sound like this all the time you <laughs> saying yes it's fine yeah um because yeah if, if anybody's wondering like wow the voiceover has really improved in the past i mean we've been working together it's over almost two years now probably, almost two right? years now yeah 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 oh, for sure because I'm, I'm i remember uh, i think i think i just, i really need to get i mean we we i'm sure we did something before that but i was like i really need nate after i did did you do the astro world episode or maybe it was uh, after that where i was like this is awful i definitely need someone maybe because it might have been right after that yeah it might have been the episode right after that it was the summer of uh summer of last year not the, not this summer but the previous summer but you know i've never heard the life the life story i guess the career life story i mean you can tell me your personal life as well but i figure since this is a public podcast you know take us through your career you know we've we've talked about you've done the muppets uh, great moments of muppet history we know you've mm-hmm. done um mystery science theater um which are two huge things but you know you didn't just get handed those those roles obviously no yeah so you want um, you want the prequels now we want to go into the prequels uh, yeah before. I, want, I want the prequels <laughs> even if they're slightly less exciting and more convoluted um as prequels tend to be but uh, i would i would um 
you know, I, I should also mention before I this leaves my brain in that another way you might have seen Nate around um, the defunct land because defunct land has its own lexicon as well. Yeah, um, for sure. I feel yeah. The, Yet uh, another lexicon I'm immensely proud to be a part of. No yeah, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's definitely. And I'm not just time. saying that because I'm talking to you right now. <laughs> I'm saying that because I honestly feel that way. I'm saying that because I'm on the public Defunct Land podcast. <laughs> Everyone listens. The um, I'm no, saying but that the, uh, because the... Kevin has shurikens pointed right in my head. Some I know that's how good he is. The uh... remote control shurikens right outside my hotel room window. Look, look at your chest. Oh my god! Oh my god! Down. There's like five of them. The um, but yeah. So another way, another. Uh, way in which you might have seen Nate or heard Nate around um, is that when we did the Jim Henson series, Nate did the wonderful puppetry of Boss and Cody, two characters um, that Nate and I developed together personality wise, one of which was Dan's character. The other one was yours. Was that right? Uh, as far as the ones that were built. Did you build both of like those? The puppets? Yeah. So Dan yeah. built Cody mm-hmm. years ago the little guy. When, we were, when we were on tour. Uh which Ooh, well, that's like a that's like a, a reference to something we're gonna learn that we'll soon. talk about when Dan and I were on tour with a show. Um, we a built Disney little monsters. We dis- the Disney Dan. Uh, we built little monster puppets just because uh, we were with we were touring with a puppet show. And we're like, let's build puppets. Um, because I would say building is not my forte. I uh, my strength lies in wiggling them and not necessarily building them. But uh, I believe that uh, a a true to a true rounded performer should know how to especially for puppeteer should know how to build or at least know have some working knowledge of how they're constructed uh it helps inform your performance and vice versa uh builders should also be performers it helps inform how to build something uh, that works the way you need it to work um so yeah, we wanted to do that, make fun little characters. And uh, we had this idea random, you know, huh? you come up with these ideas. We're like, oh, this would be fun little videos to do. We we built them under the uh, uh, these little monsters. We were going to make this show that never happens. And I guess I'll just mention it now while I'm thinking about it. And maybe we'll still do it one day. So I'm copywriting Nate Beagle, hashtag the Beagle Booth, copyright this idea. But we were going to do this little silly you mini series called John Williams Monsters. And each of these little <laughs> monsters was going to be specifically tailored to uh, a specific John Williams theme in a movie. And so like, that's the only way they either, either that was the only way they spoke or that's how the only thing that they ever talked about. So there was going to be an Indiana Jones monster and there was going to be a Superman monster. There was going to be a Star Wars monster. There was going to be an E.T. monster. And then like a Back to the Future monster was going to come in. They were all going to beat the crap out of him. Yeah. Uh, like that was one of the that was one of the ideas. Um, the little John Williams monsters. Uh, it was just a super silly idea. But anyway, that's kind of the idea. We built these little fun monsters that were. It was a fun little. Um, you can still go and get patterns uh, from uh, great builders. Name's Pasha Romanowski. He has Project Puppet. You go to projectpuppet.com and you can buy um, these little patterns that, and he'll teach you how to build these. And they're pretty great. So that's what we did on the road. Anyway, that's where what, what, that's where what, Cody. Sorry, came what's from. The, what's his name? His name's Pasha Romanowski, um, but his website Not, is... Pr- yeah, it sounds like you could, it's like one like letter switch away from the the friend, the director, Roman Polanski. Oh, Roman um, Polanski? Yeah, Pasha Romanowski. You... Not, to, not to be confused <laughs> with Roman Polanski. No, we'll, Roman Polanski, as far as I know, does not build puppets, but uh, at pro- projectpuppet.com. Um, and you can find really fun little, uh, uh, you know, simple to intermediate to advanced um, patterns to build your own puppet. 
And so, well, anyway, that's the John co- Williams. Well, the John Williams monsters never came to fruition. We did use. Was that just Cody, or is that where Boss came from too? No. So Boss came from another show that I was doing, and I Boss was my attempt, my first ever uh, attempt of of building from scratch a a Muppet style hand and rod puppet. So they're both hand and rod puppets, but whereas Cody is just uh, fabric, just like literal fleece, uh, excuse me, fur, um, stitched together with uh, little fake, you know, fun little doll eyeballs in there. And that's all he is. He's completely just fabric. Um, Whereas Boss was a real Muppet fleece and foam uh, puppet for hand and rod. So Muppet style. And uh, the great uh, James Voitall, um, who has built for Henson for years as a just an incredible uh, savant of Muppet building. And he, we, I was doing a show with him a number of years ago in Miami, and some on some of the downtime, I was like, James, I want, I want Muppet 101. You're going to teach me how to, I need you to teach me how to build one of these step by step. And so sure enough, that's what we did. And it was one of those, all right, what do you want him to look like? And I kind of came up with, the way he kind of looks, I was like, uh, kind of like a, you know, a, a ball, you know, a pinhead type thing. Kind of look, he kind of looks like one of the Muppet, like Twiddle, uh, Tweedlebugs. Do you remember those characters with like the big eyes I on don't. the side? Um, if you look up the Tweedlebugs, I think that's what they were called. Uh, either on Sesame Street or the Muppets. Um, that was kind of the idea I was going for. Um, but not, not so like pointed, but a little more rounded. Anyway, kind of the way his head is now. And, uh, James draws it out. He's like, is this what kind of what you want? Like a sketch of what he looks like? And I was like, yeah, that's it. And he's like, great. And he, in within minutes, he draws all these shapes on a, on some paper, draws all these multiple shapes and goes, cut these out. <laughs> and so I cut them out and he's like, now just trace those on the foam, cut those out. And I trace them on the foam and cut those out. And then he's like, all right. And this is how they stitch together. And literally the shapes that he drew and had me cut out, literally formed into his body and into his head as it looks now. It was it, masterful, just amazing. It was like he looked at the drawing and knew how to pattern it out in order to put it together. Uh, it was fascinating. And anyway, so he, he taught me how to cut them out and then, um, you know, how they go together and then put the, tra- the same thing, sketching out the, the fleece pattern and then wrapping him in fleece and sewing him up. I sewed him up all by hand and, he sat, I did that, and I was like, great. And then uh, he sat in a bag for years. <laughs> I never did anything with him. I never really fit, fully finished him. And then, Kevin, you came along, and we had this idea of, like, let's do a Wilkins and Wonkins parody. And do you have any puppets on hand that you could do that, or can you make one? And Boss was the first one I thought about. I was like, well, I do. He's basically just a plain muppet like there's nothing to him he's 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 pretty plain and so i showed him uh, i brought him out and showed him took a video and sent you and you're like yep done he's in that's the one let's <laughs> use him and then uh scrounging around i was like well what about we use this little guy as his like offset you know and boom done that's it let's use them <laughs> they're great they look great together i got a, I got a producer mindset I'm yeah, just, it, yeah it was amazing it was it. You found i it. send you a little ideas and you're like yep that's great let's do that boom uh, and, and it was awesome. That's pretty much how it works. And so 
I will say that I, I'm, and it's been so great. That was such a great idea. It's such a fun idea. And I'm so glad we did it. And, but I'm still uh, taken aback by the positive response that they've gotten from the fans. And I've said this well, to Boston you Well, Boss and Cody have their own little Twitter account now. Yes, they do. They, they, so. they, they got their own Twitter at Boss. I think it's just at Boss Cody. Well, with Boston Cody, you know, that was the, that was like the only, when I started the Jim Henson series, which was now over a year and a month ago. So like 13 months ago, if I did that math correctly, um, is that I, I kind of had this idea after reading Brian J. Jones's biography of Jim Henson. I was like, you know, I really want to do a Jim Henson miniseries where I kind of follow uh, series by series on Defunct TV, where instead of telling a story um, just plain paced linear, linearly, I'll take each one of his series and, and base each story around, you know, Sesame Street Muppet Show, Muppet Babies, that kind of idea, what the series ended up being. And the other one idea I had was we need to have the whole series sponsored in order to make it worth our time. Because um, at the time, this was like a huge risk because we had at the time of creating this, we had just I think we'd only had two episodes of Defunct TV out there in the Big Blue House and Legends of the Hidden Temple. So there was really no oh, I was this kind of idea, which Bear in the Big Blue House also talked about Playhouse Disney Live and Legend of the Hidden Temple was filmed at Universal Studios. Right. Um, so I was like, so this idea that to doing a, a thing that had nothing to do with theme parks until the last episode, which had everything to do with theme parks, um, was kind of ridiculous. So I was like, we have to get it sponsored in order to even, you know, pay for everything that's going to cost to do it. And then I was like, if we're going to have a sponsors at the beginning and the end, we have to have the old, we have to have puppets. And then, um, so I had that thought in my head for just months. And then we, I was like, I'm going to do the series. And we wrote out the series and then, you know, eight months, 11 months passed. And it came down to like the last two months. And we, I think we were hanging out shooting some stuff for April fool's day, mm-hmm. uh, at your apartment, which right. is what, if you've ever seen Dan's <laughs> that the night before we were at Ohana, um at the polynesian oh, and dan started doing oh you can describe it better than i can probably uh, i don't even know how that came about we were eating at ohana and i i all honestly what i remember is laughing harder than i have laughed in a such a long time i don't think i've laughed harder than that since. uh like i i have a six-pack now from that night i literally have a six-pack abs from laughing so hard that night well, we were and talking was... the whole time about skits, and we were coming up with these skits because we wanted to do what eventually turned into um, Safety the... Dan or Safety uh... Safety Dan, yeah, which we put on Inside the Magic's channel. Um, if you want to go watch that, but we came up with these skits, and we were all sitting there, and and I don't know how we got to this, but was... yeah, we we because we were just talking. Oh, I think it just it came off. We were like, how how many? Just in general, we were talking about how how many rides are similar in each park. And it came mm-hmm. started with the the like the Dumbo ride and like the the spinning rides and how they're very similar, and how, wouldn't be hilarious if the for the like the instructional you know sometimes like with the Aladdin you have Aladdin voiceover you hear him telling you about what's going to happen, <laughs> and uh, like on the Toy Story Mania ride there's there's you know Mr. Potato Head telling you what you need to do safety wise that kind of stuff and we just kind of combined that idea. And Dan, it just struck a chord with him, and he just started going. And the way his his delivery of it of, welcome to this ride. What's <laughs> going to happen is you're going to do that. And it just the what's going to happen is was the through was the runner yes. joke for us. Yes. And 
and it, then we would laugh, laugh, and it would stop. And then, it's, then he would just be like, "Welcome to Triceratops Spin. <laughs> What's going to happen is you're going to ride a giant. You're going to ride a replica of a dinosaur in a circular motion." At like that kind of stuff. It was like oh. a, it was like concerned skydiving instructor giving the final briefing. Right, and that's how we did. We we're like, do you have your exit, buddy? Like we kind of. <laughs> that's we, so we combined all of those elements, and then he just kept going and going and going while we're at dinner. And I'm so mad I didn't start recording them until the end after I could catch my breath and could wipe oh, the we tears that, from we my should. eyes. We I have like I have a here. last I have the last few idea of ones that he like, was doing. I feel like I have. I do have it on my phone. I, I recorded yeah. voice memos at the end because I was like, I'm not going to remember all of these. And these are so good. And it's one of those classic things. And it's like, it, you know, it's kind of the, it made us laugh so much. We're like, we have to do this. Like, it's bound to make other people laugh. Maybe not as much as us right now, but definitely not as much. But yeah, the um, yeah, I'll I'll play it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, just give me just give me a ride to do. I'm trying to think. The fox on the. Welcome to the barnstormer. <laughs> You're gonna board an aircraft piloted by Goofy. <laughs> He's gonna have a difficult time piloting it. <laughs> You're gonna fly through a billboard. <laughs> You're gonna have the opportunity to fly through a billboard. <laughs> you keep phrasing things. It's the weirdest, not exciting way to describe. Well, the best is like, welcome, welcome to Dumbo. What's gonna happen is you're gonna have the opportunity to ride an elephant. You're gonna get an elephant, and an elephant's gonna travel in a circle. You're gonna have the opportunity to raise or lower the elephant to the desired height through the use of a small lever. Take that opportunity. There are many sights to be seen, both high and low, that you'll enjoy. What's, what's a dumb... Welcome to the Country Bear Jamboree. What's gonna happen is, you're gonna see many species of bears sing country folk songs. There will also be three decapitated wildlife <laughs> there'll be four there'll be three decapitated hooved animals <laughs> that will add social commentary and find one of the bears very attractive <laughs> I love that as it goes on you're gonna have the opportunity to sing along take that opportunity welcome to living with the land <laughs> what's gonna happen is you're gonna board a boat and learn how to farm <laughs> You're going to have the opportunity to take pictures of lots of plants. Take that opportunity. You're going to learn how strawberries grow. At a certain point, you'll learn how we recycle fish poop into plant food. Welcome to the Swiss Robinson Treehouse. What's going to happen is you're about to walk through a big fake tree and see a lot of fake bedrooms. So after that, we were like, we got to do this. So we do it the next morning. We go to Walmart, buy a ridiculous amount of stuff for Dan to wear. But yeah, thankfully, I had like a whole, uh, all my whole shooting setup. I had a green screen and uh, we were just like, let's just make it happen. Yeah, There's some fun behind the scenes photos of Dan standing in front of the green screen in my apartment shooting those that we posted. And then I think in that experience, I said, you know, do you have any puppets? (laughs) because at the time i was like i'm a month away from this series where the whole idea was to have these puppet segments and you're like yeah and then you went to a box and you pulled out a bunch um, of puppets a bunch of puppets and you just showed me a ton of puppets um and then you we eventually developed it together but that was really fun and then uh calvin lester and kelsey brady um also helped out 
Yeah, on. other my and, other uh, Muppet col- Muppet great moments in history for uh, colleagues, phenomenal puppeteers down in uh, Florida. I worked for Disney and Universal. The, we we put it out there, and then we got Squarespace. This is a little behind the scenes for you, yeah. um, in case anybody cares. Show how the we, sausage is made. Yeah, yeah, or how the sausage can so quickly be taken away. It's um, a, yeah, <laughs> they giveth sausage and they taketh they away. They taketh sausage. Um, and so you made like eight ads, I think. Yeah, we came up with a bunch of ideas. Uh, you had come up with some really good skit ideas, and then I kind of came up with some, and then we kind of winged some when Calvin and Kelsey and I uh, were shooting. It just because a lot of the times, and I will say, like, especially with this kind of stuff or puppet performance or anything, you know, you even on the show that I'm doing now, like, it changes. And you know, you look on the page, you're like, this is great. But then when you get into it, you're like, oh, you know, it would be fun. You're like, well, right, let's just shoot it. Let's see what happens. So, yeah, I think we did about eight of them that I sent, and then we ended up using six, right? Yeah, we used six, but Squarespace dropped out after their, they were contractually obligated to do four right with us and they decided not to renew after the four right they eventually did renew based on the performance of those four but they the way it works is they don't like to immediately renew for whatever reason sure um whatever it's Um, called businesses show business eh, folks capital eh, business lowercase show it's more like our company's running on an algorithm and the algorithm doesn't anyways um but yes yes (laughs) um but yeah, so they eventually did re- renew. But before that, you know, the my ad agency was like, you know, NordVPN uh, wants to renew from a previous one you've done. I said, okay. And so we took the ad that was definitely meant for Squarespace. I, I syllabled it out and used the mat. I'd watched the videos like 30 times and then gave you a new script to dub based on mm-hmm. the ma- mouth movements. And then I had to speed up and slow down the video, which did not look weird at all because it no, already- it, 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 it worked way better than I anticipated it to work. Actually, it was pretty impressive. Yeah. Well, because it's, uh, it, you know, we, we I destroyed the image with grain and film and um, all, yeah, and what's is funny, like I tell folks, it's like I sh- we shot those in 4K on a green screen. So which actually behooved it, I think. So you could deteriorate it a little bit and it not look so bad. Yeah, no, it, de- it didn't look digitally bad. It looked right. fil- it kinda, film- yeah. filmically bad. Shoot it in um, its high res possible and then you can futz with it. And I was gonna put it on a. I was gonna put use the green screen to our advantage, but of course, um, Cody, Cody's fur did not key well. Oh really? Um, His orange yeah. and blue fur didn't key well. Was it the blue? No, it's just the fact that it was fur in general. Oh, the fact that he's like it's scattered everywhere. Yeah, fur is a real same, pain. Same reason Carrot Top's nightly talk show didn't go too well. Um, that's a joke. Um, but the uh, but yeah, so when you have hair on a green screen, it's super difficult unless the green screen is like really well done. And even then, actually, here's a funny story. Um, I have a few connections into the Muppet industry as well, but more on the VFX side. The Muppets TV series, and this is secondhand, so this could be wrong, but I know it's I know it to be true. Um, is that you know the that ABC Muppet series I did? Yeah, yeah, that that one. They, yeah. uh Apparently, a lot of the episodes they would put the Muppets on green screens for mm-hmm. whatever reason in some shots. Like mm-hmm. if they had to do something to the background or I don't know why they would have done that, but they, they didn't anticipate the fur having, you know, they didn't, they didn't anticipate the fur. So whenever Fozzie was on screen, the green screen would not key out. So it's not just like, 
right. we're bad at our jobs, even even the ABC. Which is people. interesting to me because they use green screen slash blue screen uh, slash white screen a lot on Sesame Street these days. Yeah, um, especially I, with sure. Elmo's World, like all of Elmo's World is all uh, keyed out, but his fur might be a little easier to, for them to key. I come to think of it, I don't think they put a lot of fuzzy characters on the on the green, blue, or white screen that they use. And it could have been as simple as, um, like on Fraggle Rock, they all those characters that had the fur, you could see the blue around them. Oh, sure. Around there, yeah. Uh, But you know, with with that, I think the thing with the Muppet Show, it was so like run and gun that some like they would shoot a character out of focus, and when you shoot something out of focus, the green blends with the fur. Sure. Anyways, regardless, they had to hire VFX artists to frame by frame cut out Fozzie or cut out Kermit. Wow. Um, which is awful. Um, I didn't do that. I uh, just kept the green screen and put it into put it in sepia and black and uh, destroyed the saturation and it looked yep. great. I mean, it, it did. It, was it a... really, they really looked great. And so much so that people thought it was a real thing. If, and, and not right. I've I've heard multiple times how people were like, oh well, that's oh they're just showing like an old thing until they're like, wait a minute, Squarespace.com. What? <laughs> that's yeah. that's a new what? Uh, so, so yeah, to take it back to that, it was the, the fan, the defunct land fan comments of the positive comments for the ad was like unheard of for me that anybody, a fan of a show, you know, like, all right, yeah, we get it. We got to watch an ad, blah, blah, blah. Let me watch the show. I want to watch. Let me see the episode that I'm here to watch. But the, there was such a positive response, like just normal fan entertainment wise for the ads that. Uh, was really really kind of fun and exciting and felt good yeah they were i mean they they loved those ads so yeah so thank you uh for for making those so special for everybody and thank you for running the boston cody twitter account and keeping their vacation now they're on vacation they're like they're on well they're on tour with me uh and we uh they actually have to at some point they did get interviewed uh what they thought of the mystery science theater show um, oh yeah, they officially they officially got interviewed. I haven't gotten the footage back yet for it, but uh, hopefully I can. <laughs> uh, I'll be able to to showcase what they thought. Um, that would be great if they don't get to, if they don't show it. If uh, Mr. Science Theater doesn't show it as like a audience testimonial, um, maybe they'll let me show it afterwards. Yeah, that that would. Uh, if if they do give it back to you, we should definitely post that. But let's uh let's do the thing we've said said we were gonna do. For the they said we're gonna do uh, a half an hour uh, ago. Yeah, uh, I'll give I'll give I can do I can do a, an abbreviated version. I tend to be long winded. I do talk into sure. a microphone for half of my living, so I can. Uh, but I can keep it. I can keep it snappy. Well, let's uh let's preface it with this. Uh, I met Disney Dan through our respective YouTube accounts um way back in probably 2016 right or no 20 no 2017 it was 2017 oh way back then Um, all the way back in two years ago um oh we were so young then we We had stars in our eyes (laughs) we didn't know which way the wind would blow but we rode the sea of our friendship onward and we still don't know. Okay, I'm done. I'm sorry. I wasn't sure if that was a if that was desert or sea, but I'm glad you clarified. We could ride and, uh, the desert sea. <laughs> the desert sea. Didn't you uh, see that Pirates of the Caribbean where the boat was on the sand chasing down Johnny Depp? Yes. 
boats can sail on the sands. I didn't, I didn't sands, think I had this voice. I'm going to take a, take advantage of that. The sands of time. Again, it would be great to start a defunct line episode like that because some people still are like, you need to get a new narrator. Kevin sounds so imp- unprofessional. Whoa, really? Um, yeah, all the time. Oh, it's, man, uh... that's crazy because I, like Dan, gave me a hot like episode to narrate once and the fans like destroyed me. They were like, who is this? This isn't Dan. I hate it. And then somebody was like, oh, his voice was fine, but I like Tan's. You know, we yeah. the, the fans, we fear change. We don't like it. No, don't change what I love. But uh yeah, dude, uh, I'm I'm happy to give you like a wizened old like intro narrator if you want before you well, kick I was into thinking your videos. we you know, you could just you could just do the first two sentences and then I come in. I'm like, what are you doing? You're like, hey, I, I told uh, you get out of my booth. So what oh, were we talking I just, about? I, I just wanted <laughs> to. I, I'm terribly sorry, Kevin. I'll be right over here if you need me. That's how we'll start season four. Everyone will think it's a different narrator and it's just going to be me. Um, coming Amazing. This one, actually, we should have done with season three. Or I'll be like, um, I could start that. And you're like, oh, pardon me. <coughs> and then it goes into you. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> that, oh, that sorry about great. that. That was my yeah. morning voice. I apologize. Uh, I just woke yeah, up. I sound so, like a British narrator when I first woke <laughs> up in the morning. Uh, don't, don't talk to me in the morning until I've had my British narrator. Exactly. Um, so... But yeah, so Dan and I, you know, became friends rather quickly, and I think we ended up seeing each other in person for the first time in March of 2018, and that's when I met you, and he introduced me to you as this, because you've always been some elusive, talented friend, and then eventually mm. uh, yes. it became, uh, I knew Dan's non-elusive, talented friend, and then now you're my talented friend, as, and we're all buddies, um, we're all but you know, before now. that. You you met Dan somehow, and you also had uh, a life and career before Mystery Science Theater, The Muppets, and Defunct Land, and also all your audiobooks, which you do constantly, which you can't forget about. So what mm-hmm. was the story in as short or as long as you want to tell it? And I'll just Sure. Uh, so I, I get asked that question a lot. It's like, why puppets? Like, why are you a puppet? <laughs> why, did, why puppets? Like, why are you puppets? When you say, like, hey, I'm a puppeteer, and they're like, uh, what? <laughs> Some people are like, whoa, that's awesome. Some people are like, um, what? does that mean uh can you make a living off that uh the answer is uh yes uh but not easily uh it's not uh, not the easiest gig to uh, make a living at but um long story short uh as a kid i said it takes it back to mystery science theater uh watching it as a kid i was also a massive fan of the muppets i was a massive fan of sesame street uh, a massive fan of fraggle rock as any kid growing up in the 80s was um and I call it the light switch moment. There was a light switch moment of being a kid, as all majority of kids love watching the Muppets, love watching Sesame Street, Fraggle Rock, and are entertained by it. There was a light switch moment where I'm going, how do they do that? I know, like, there's a switch. I know those characters are, like, made out of, you know, fleece or foam or fur or whatever. And there's somebody manipulating that. I know that. Inherently, I can just, I know it. I realize it. And... It was a combination of it not realizing that and not it ruining the magic for me. In anything, if anything, it made it more intriguing and magical to me. And so um, I, I want to know how they do that. And so I literally, from that moment, that light switch moment on, I went to learn how to asking questions. Back in the 80s, kids, there wasn't a thing called the interwebs. So <laughs> I had to go to a place called the library and I had to look up a book 
a book is something you hold in your hands and open, and there's words written on pages, sometimes with pictures. Um, so I had to go. I went and like found books. I did my own research. Uh, went to the library and looked up um, uh, many books on puppetry, on how to build puppets, on how um, a lot of uh, I will say Jim Henson was an amazing resource pre-internet of showcasing how this is done the magic behind the magic if you will like jim was never uh never shied away from pulling back the curtain because he wanted to showcase all of the talent that it was was with him and behind him and behind these characters and bringing to life these things that everybody loves he wanted to showcase that and all the work that goes into it which is a ton uh puppetry is not easy um and so yeah, it just kind of went from there. And then, so I was a lot of self-taught as a kid and started making my own puppets, started like, and then my parents, so supportive of my creative endeavors. I was always a bit of a ham. I was always, you know, the consummate, the constant performer, um, you know, at, at family reunions and parties and stuff like that, getting up in front of a group of adults and, you know, air guitaring or air saxophoning, you know, that kind of stuff, cutting up the room. Um, so the performer gene was always in me my father was also an actor uh growing up as well and a love of a big movie lover so i became a big movie lover and so just being engrossed in movies and entertainment and comedy and then the, when the puppetry switch hit for me of like i want to know how they do that and so cut to uh growing up and then when i get into school and start uh being able to take drama classes and speech classes and music and in where I went to school in central Florida, there wasn't um, a real, there wasn't a puppetry outlet. Um, there is, there are scattered about UConn, University of Connecticut has arguably the um, the most well-known um, biggest puppetry program that you can actually major in puppetry arts in college. Um, I did not have, I was not there, so I did not have that opportunity. So I went through the traditional actor theater musical theater uh route of training uh in school and from high school into college uh doing musical theater and i will say that that has also helped me be the the performer that i am with voice and puppetry as well because it puppetry is such an art form that is so uh multifaceted and people don't really realize it. you say puppet and people immediately think of like a sock on a hand or, you know, like the a punch and Judy puppet or the Muppets, like just something that's on a hand, flapping, talking, being silly and entertaining. That's what people think of almost immediately when you say the word puppet. But a puppet is very diverse in its performance. There's shadow puppetry, there's marionettes, there's Boonraku style puppetry, there's object manipulation. Like it's not just Muppet style. It's not just a sock on a hand. Um and in doing so, the art of puppetry in and of itself is bringing the inanimate to life, bringing something that has no life to life. And that is something that has always fascinated me. And I think that was really the light switch moment. Like, how are they doing it? How are they bringing this character to life where I can connect with it? And like, I get it. Like, I can tell that that character is happy. I can tell that that character is sad, um, et cetera, et cetera. And that is always uh just run through that's uh, that's how i work as a performer and so being uh going classically trained actor to musical theater acting 
I take everything that I would do as an actor on stage, which I have done. I've done many things on camera and on stage as myself, as a human, not just a puppet. What would I do as a performer, as an actor, and any choices or any movements or facial tics or something that I would do in that moment, how do I channel that through my arm to this character on my hand? You know what I mean? So that, mm -hmm. um, and... I, all the best puppeteers are the, 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 some of the best actors you will ever see. And the Jim Henson even has a quote, a very famous quote of saying the, uh, of the Muppet performers is like, we're not just puppeteers. We're all actors. We just act from the wrist up, um, which is such a great quote. And that's kind of in essence what it is. I've never heard that quote. That's a good one. Yeah. We're all actors. Just at, we act from the wrist up and it's, uh, it's very, I utilize that in voice work as well. It's like, what would I, what I'm doing? I'm very animated and that's helps. That's why I'm a puppeteer. And that's why I, my voice work is very animated and it's like, but I have to channel it through just through the microphone. Um, you can still use my body to, to get certain um, emotions across, but uh, it's all about channeling it through. And that's, that's the very specific skill set. excuse me, the very specific skill set that the, the greatest puppeteers that you see have is that they're able to channel these subtle emotions through uh, something that's inanimate. And as soon as they do that, you can immediately click into it and you emotionally connect. And that's the power of puppetry. And I say that term a lot, the power of puppetry. There's a there's another show. Are you familiar, Kevin, with the show called War Horse? Have you ever heard of the show? The movie? So there was a movie that was based on the stage show. So there's a movie. Know. Spielberg made a movie called War Horse. But prior to that, um, it was a full stage production. I'll have you look it up if you can. Look up the pup, the I'll stage production of War Horse. Now as you're talking about it. And the horse on stage that you see is like a wire-framed puppet horse. It's not fully like clad in like fake skin or anything. It, it's just a wire-framed yeah. horse manipulated yeah. by five-plus people live on stage. And the puppeteers are not invisible. They're dressed to kind of match the uh, the the year and the the kind of the background a little bit. Um, so it's very similar. It's like it's like Lion King, where you can see the performers manipulating the puppeteers. It's very it's that kind of zone. But when I use I use that as an example of power of puppetry because that show, you, the entire audience connects with this fake horse that is blatantly fake in front of your eyes. It's wire framed. You can see through it. And you connect with that horse because the the puppeteers move it so masterfully that you immediately emotionally connect with this fake horse. And by the end of that show, the entire house is weeping openly over a wire-framed horse. It's insane when you say it like that. But that's the power of puppetry. You immediately connect with a horse. It doesn't say a word. It makes noises and it moves, but it does it so in such a realistic way that you immediately buy that that's a real horse. And you don't see those people anymore. You see that real horse, and that's and that's the emotional connection that puppets can have in any form uh, between shadows, marionettes, and then the silly Muppet stuff. And the silly Muppet stuff connects. The Muppets were so great because they could connect on a like a laughter entertainment level, but also because you became connected with those characters and you knew who they were. That when something sad happens in one of the movies, you actually kind of get sad and you feel sad, and you're like, "Wow, there's that 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 um." The, in the first Muppet movie, the, the I'm going to go back there someday song with Gonzo is gorgeous. It's just beautiful. And you're like, that's a beautiful moment. And from this like crazy, weird character. 
Um, but you've already connected with this guy and you just like, oh, yeah, he's such a good little guy. And you just anyway, the power of puppetry. Um, that's a, another long witted version of what I'm saying about that. But um, so that my training behooves my acting training behooves me as my in my performance of puppetry and voice. It's cut to post college. I uh, made the move to New York, sold my car, sold a lot of my stuff, packed up a suitcase and a backpack and took the train to New York. And then I stayed there for over 10 years. Um, and uh, it was in New York that I got my first professional um, puppet, my first like big audition for in a New York uh, was Die Hard, the puppet musical. And I'll say that again, Die Hard, the puppet musical, which is just as awesome as you. This is just going to, this is as an interviewer, I guess I'm just going to be Googling things I've never heard about. Yeah. See, this is what you said. You have a lot of the stuff you haven't learned about me yet. Die Hard, the puppet musical musical. was the first (laughs) professional show that I did in New York. And that thankfully it was one of those, I saw the audition and I'm like, um, I, how am I not going to audition for this? I will 100% be auditioning for this show. And that's where I met a lot of the New York puppeteers in that show through the the production company was Exploding Puppet Productions and also Drama of Works, who uh, are a local uh, puppet community that are embedded into the New York puppetry community. And um, my and literally from Die Hard, the puppet musical is what really springboarded my professional puppetry career uh, in New York. And uh, I got to make a lot of connections and make a lot of friends through that and they thankfully uh enjoyed working with me and saw that i had some skill and uh with voices and manipulation and so i did die hard the puppet musical which is one of the most fun shows i've ever been a part of um and sad that it's gone now crazy it's it was definitely crazy it was very like avenue q style you could see the puppeteers um it's they just took a really silly idea of making everybody in Die Hard a puppet except for John McClane and just run with it. And it Argyle was an Argyle sock, that kind of stuff. So it was a lot of cheesy. Um, if you're familiar with the movie, Ellis is the character Ellis. Like the first time you see him, he's doing a massive line of cocaine. And so Ellis, we made a dustbuster with a mustache. <laughs> so the first time you see him, it's just a dustbuster dusting up a massive line of coke that kind of stuff it was very adult it was very silly um and it was a tremendous amount of fun but it was a musical all original music and they cast me as hans gruber so i got to do my alan rickman impression and uh then i also doubled uh as argyle at one point um so my my audition was rapping they're like can you rap and so i had to do like a rap audition with the puppet um it was amazing and it, it so that's what started it and then i fell in love with these people they were just so the community is just so great me being a new blood too in the in the world that they were so accepting of me you would think like a small community as the new york puppetry community would be very competitive um but they're really not they're just so accepting and supportive of of everyone the die hard, there's no gatekeeping gatekeeping in the die hard the puppet musical community no no there wasn't the gates were wide open um and so that's being a part of that show and then working and getting to know uh, my, the people in, in that production led me to other auditions and other uh, things and working and getting to know with people, making connections. And then cut to uh, about the year later after that, maybe a year or two after that, 
is I the audition came my way for John Tartaglia's Imagine Ocean, which was going to be a full stage blacklight puppet musical. Um, so I sent in my stuff and I got an audition appointment and I went in and I auditioned in front of John Tartaglia and uh, got a call back on the spot from him. He was so amazing and gracious and has since become one of my nearest and dearest friends. Uh, I got the call back and went to the call back and then I booked the gig and I was with Imagine Ocean for over five years after that. I was, we were off Broadway for about two years and then I uh, toured with it for a little over two years. Um, yeah, so that was my real first big, big, massive New York and gig. And where you met Dan, right? And this is brings us full circle to Disney Dan. The funny story about Dan and I is during said initial audition for Imagine Ocean, Dan and I auditioned right back to back, right after each other. Um, or one after another. I think he might have, I, now I can't remember if he went first or if I went first. Um, but we met waiting to go in for the initial audition. Um, I got cast. Dan did not get cast right out of the gate. However, he did get brought on to our promo team, which means they, they cast a few puppeteers that auditioned for the show to bring them, send them out with the puppets to do like press and promo stuff while we were doing the show. So we couldn't, some of the, the, the performers on stage couldn't do that. So they sent out people to just kind of get the word out, blah, blah, blah. So Dan was a part of that team. Dan then inevitably became our swing for the show off Broadway, uh, just before uh, we ended up closing, he was brought back. He was brought on the team, and a swing for those of you who might not know is somebody that learns all of the roles, all of the tracks. The show in Imagine Ocean was very uh, strategically choreographed because it was blacklight, and all the puppeteers are clad in black. You can't see. We're like basically invisible. So everything, every move of every puppet had to be very tr- strategically choreographed. Um, so it was a big deal to be a swing and learn all of those tracks. And uh, so Dan got brought on as the swing. And then when it came up, the show was closing off Broadway. And then they said, hey, but hey, we're going to do uh, we're going to take it out on tour. And so uh, Dan and I hopped onto the tour uh, for that first year. And then we were roommates on the tour and we uh, also drove the truck together so we were very much the cast and the crew so we drove a van and a truck and uh, with all the set and luggage and stuff and uh, dan and i were the truck drivers and so we spent a lot of time together in the truck and then as roommates on the in the hotels and uh we just became like literally like the quickest fastest best of friends and uh that inevitably our little chats and stuff in the truck and uh, kind of spurned uh, what when we ended up started our own podcast a number of year, years ago, the Getting Felt Up, a puppetry podcast with Dan and Nate, which you can find. There's still really great chats uh, that we've had with a lot of professional puppeteers. Um, and we hope to get back into that game. We're going to change the title because the Getting Felt Up title is not as funny as it was like a few years ago. Um, it's still funny. But, it's just as a... Well, it's funny because uh, it's funny when you go a puppetry podcast. and like, oh, puppets felt. I get it. Um, and so that's it. That's how we, Dan and I have been, and we've been, you know, best friends ever since. And that was well over eight years ago at this point when we started that first tour. It's craziness. Um, and, and then you went on to, and then post that I, yeah. And so being wrapped up in the puppetry 
scene. Um, I started and doing children's shows. I made a lot of connections with and friends with uh, working with people on Sesame Street at the Henson Company who would turn me on to, um, hey, you should think about, uh, you know, really pursuing this. And voice work was something I was always wanting to do. And I had done a little bit of stuff here and there. I've done voices for characters and shows that were pre-recorded, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I've, I had done some miscellaneous uh, commercial spots, um, but nothing I was really, wasn't really pursuing it hardcore. And um, the great Muppet Sesame performer, Tyler Bunch, we were working on a project together called Losing It with John Stamos, which was a, a sh very, very, very short-lived series on when Yahoo was trying to do their own TV stuff online, Yahoo Screen. Oh, man, um, back in the community season six? Yes. Uh, and so they had their own little original program called Losing It with John Stamos, which was a, very much like a drunk history, but John Stamos interviewing celebrities about the time they lost their virginity. Interesting. And so a la Drunk History, it would cut to the dramatic reenactment of their story. And they did a bunch of puppet versions of that. And so Tyler and I were on a bunch of those puppet versions. Um, so that's how Tyler Bunch and I got to know each other really well. And uh, we bonded over just cutting up. And we always talk in characters. Tyler is a phenomenal voice actor and puppeteer and has that career that I, stri that I strive for. And uh, he was like, you should really, f you have the, he was so kind and gracious to be like, you have the chops to do this. You should really focus on it. Here's what you need to do. And he put me on the track to follow and pursue voice work in New York. So I very much uh, attribute my success in voiceover to Tyler Bunch for getting me on the right track. And I started taking classes in New York and um, through the classes, you make connections and uh, getting to know casting directors and then, you know, strengthening my skills in that realm and getting a demo and then being able to, you know, feel confident enough to go into a booth and audition for things. And I started booking stuff pretty quickly after I acquired that skill set and uh, felt confident to do so. And thankfully, I've been able to do it ever since. So in my working with children shows and doing character voices for years and years and years has helped me um, be a, a, a children's book, audio book narrator, um, which was something I wasn't ever, I didn't ever really think about. And it's proved to be something that I really love. And um, I tend to be very good at um, taking these uh, big little fun Harry Potter-esque fantasy novels for middle grade titles and uh playing all these characters from like aliens to zombies and vampires and ogres and all that kind of stuff and like little kids uh and then silly adults and you know evil british men and you know little kids that just talk like this you know you know from this guy like hey mister how are you doing well i don't want to tell you how i'm doing don't talk to me like that you know and being able to go in and out of voices like that has just proved uh uh, to help me in that kind of avenue. And so I have, you can find a uh, positive uh, apologies. I'm still a little sniffly from uh, the tour, but uh, uh, I have over 25 books, I think right now on audible. You can find it's just Nate Beagle, all the little, I've done a really, a lot of fun little um, uh, kids, uh, middle grade titles, like middle grade between like eight, eight years old to 12 year old uh, series and I've also got to do like a really deep, intense, like sci-fi sci space saga that was written by Claudia uh, Gray, who wrote um, some of the more popular Star Wars books. 
and she created her own little space saga. It's called the Defy the Stars uh, series, and um, there's three books of those. And I play a, um, it's that's one of the more adult ones that I've done, where I play. Uh, it's kind of more of my voice, a little lower register, kind of like I have naturally right now, uh, of playing an android, like the most uh, the most um, uh, advanced mech in the galaxy. Um, it's a pretty cool little space saga, space saga, love story, uh, with lots of, you know, spaceships, space battles and teleportation and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I have been able to just do a lot of different things with that and it's, uh, and I still get to do it. And so I'm here on the road with mission science theater as well, still doing some voice work and I've done a lot of commercials. I have in turn since been able to be the promo and show announcer for the Wendy Williams show which is a nice gig that I could get to keep uh, doing. And uh, yeah, that's kind of the long and short of it. Uh, it was a little bit longer than short, but uh, <laughs> needless, uh, su- suffice to say all of my things that I've like learned and, 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 and trained in from acting to musical theater to, you know, voice work and puppetry, it all kind of blends together into being able to do what I uh, get to do. And being able to be part of the Muppets. Granted, I didn't voice any of the Muppets because those were all pre-recorded. But here well, yeah, with Crow, a... here with oh, Crow, I get to be—I uh, get to perform him and voice him live, and it's pretty incredible. Well, with the to wrap up, you know, with the Muppets, um, you have some pretty great stories from your time at the Great Muppets <clears throat> moments in Muppet history. Do you mind telling one or two of those to uh, to commemorate its unfortunate closing? Oh man, I'm trying to think if there's any stories off offhand um well i can i can remind you of some of the ones yeah stuck give with me, me a please uh the the fact that um the the location was not good oh um, uh do you do you talk a little bit about the location it was in liberty square but i remember you talking about something about splash mountain or like from a certain point in splash mountain you could see into the maybe i'm misremembering and then the other thing that i do know that i'm remembering correctly is that foghorn that you had to hear constantly oh the yeah so it was right next to the um the liberty uh boat i think it was the liberty the what's the name of the boat that's right there i want to say it's the mark twain uh something let me let me think of it the the paddle boat that's there that goes off and of course without fail square river boat yeah the the river boat (laughs) <laughs> our show so the the muppets was was an atmosphere show they they basically it wasn't on a stage it wasn't covered it was like you would walk through liberty square and their initial the reason they put a show there is they were looking to bring traffic to liberty square not just you people were just walking through it to get to haunted mansion or to quickly get to you know fantasy uh or yeah fantasy land um and or uh, excuse me Adventureland, and so they were like, we need some, we need something to go there, so people will stop at Liberty Square, and kind of draw attendance actually into the Hall of Presidents because nobody was going in the Hall of Presidents. Only if it was really bloody hot and it's really nice and air conditioned in there, take a half hour break. Um, so that's when the Muppets got put in there, and it just it made sense to put them in there and have them tell tales of, of American history in the only the way the best way that they can, and. Uh, Sam Eagle being the patriotic American Eagle that he is was the perfect like town historian, the Liberty Square historian that's going to tell this story. But then the Muppets are going to try to help him and it all goes haywire. 
uh, and hilarity ensues. So it it was intended and it worked for them to to bring guests to stop, watch the Muppets, and then go into the Hall of Presidents. So one of the shows was actually tailored to we did, we did two shows, two different shows. Um, the Declaration of Independence story and the Midnight Ride of Paul Revere. And during the Declaration of Independence, there was a live uh, human actor down on the ground with the people as the town crier to gather people around to hear this story. And so he would also then, come on, I'm going to go to the Hall of Presidents. Come on, everybody. And then he would lead people into the Hall of Presidents. Um, Please go to the Hall of Presidents. Please. Yes. Please. Justify its existence every day. Exactly. Um, and then it was funny because that opened right before the Hall of Presidents closed because it was right after the next presidential election. And then when that happens, the Hall of Presidents closes to put in the new president bot in. So it, it was funny that we opened to draw people into the Hall of Presidents. And then within two months, the Hall of Presidents was closed. So right. they had to go, oh, uh, thanks for coming. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm going to go. I want to go ride the riverboat or something like that. I forget what he ended up saying. But uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was, uh, yeah, you can ride gotta, the riverboat. Uh, what's that? You can ride the riverboat, right? No, no I know. I yeah, no, you can. I was just saying, like, he's saying, please ride the riverboat. Oh, no. He's, like, he's, he's just m- constantly. More likely should, please go into the, go into the gift shop and buy, buy merchandise. Please don't go to the Haunted Mansion. It's really busy right now. Um, we put on this whole show. Please just listen to me. But yeah, so the the riverboat is right outside because it's and so as soon it, it seemed like without fail, as soon as the show started, we'd be right in the middle of the show, and that horn would just like right in the middle of the show, and we would throw shade to the. I I performed Sam Eagle a lot, and a lot of the times he was up right above the Hall of Presidents, just kind of by himself, and he doesn't say a lot during that particular show, but he was just out there. So I was doing a, throwing a lot of shade to. Uh, I would throw a lot of shade to the boat whenever it would honk in the middle of the show. <laughs> and, uh, you know, with Sam, his eyes move. And so you can really make an in core. You can move his eyes side to side. And then in correlation of rolling his head back a little bit, it looks like he rolls his eyes. So I was doing a lot of, oh, you know, classic Sam. Oh, that stupid boat. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it was really cool too being up that high with Sam. You could kind of peek. I could peek under his uh, fur there because Sam actually has fur on top of feathers, um, and you could peek in and I could see people. And so whenever like we would throw, uh, if any like a little kid was just looking up at him while everybody else is looking at the Muppets, I would shoot a real look and like point to the kid as Sam, and the kid would be like, "Ah!" <laughs> he looked at me. He just pointed at me, and then the mom would be like, "He'd be." tugging on mom's shoulder like sam's looking at me and as soon as mom would look sam would look away <laughs> like he was watching the muppets that's then, great and then the mom would look back and the kid would look back and sam would look at the kid and shake his head really slowly like don't you dare <laughs> like no one will be- no one will believe you human child <laughs> um that's anyway great. little fun stuff like that it was and that's like during the you know the little fun that we could have you know while the track you know the audio was playing yeah and uh it's unfortunate that it's no longer there did you know anybody that was still on the crew by the time it closed oh yeah and everybody that was still in the cast yeah i still kept in contact with with those friends they're still very very dear friends of mine so i i was unfortunately here on the road i wish i could have gone to be present for the last show but um being on the road but i sent uh some you know all my love and well wishes to them it is it's it's really sad it's it's one of the uh 
it was our, one of the most popular like live entertainment shows consistently for the last three years. Guest rated, like guests really loved it. Seeing them live was like a special thing because most people for the last, you know, what, 30 years were seeing the Muppets only on, in the 3D, in the movie. Right. So the, to see them literally pop up live in the windows was such a special thing. And people really reacted to it in a, such a big, bad way and just great way. Um, yeah. And it was just really well done. It was really well written. It was written perfectly for them. It was the right amount of time. It was, you know, it wasn't too long. It wasn't too short. And it was real. it was just really funny. And, uh, yeah, I'm sad that, uh, it seems the, the parks are making, uh, cuts all over the place as far as live entertainment options go. And, uh, the Muppets were an unfortunate casualty in that. Um, so hopefully there's, uh, you know those puppets are still exist, so hopefully they use them again for something. But I, I, I know of no rumors or anything. I hear no uh, words on the street of what's going to happen. It was really a, a a blow and a surprise when they uh, said that they were going to close it. Yeah, so it's yes, I'm very upset about it, but I don't want to go too far into that um, because you eventually have to go back to your fun job of uh, making fun of movies with your childhood heroes. Um, yeah. And so, well, you were in Kansas City recently, right? Uh, Kansas City last night, actually. We were in so Kansas did, City, did Missouri last eat, night. Did you eat in Kansas City? You know, I'm from I, Kansas City. I did. I I thought you were from Kansas. I couldn't remember if you were actually from Kansas City or not. Um, I, I mean, I'm from south of Kansas City, but right on. I, Do you know you know the Midland Theater? Are you familiar with that yeah. theater? Yeah, that's of the theater we were in last night. It was gorgeous. Oh yeah, I, I posted yeah, Kansas like City's a, I posted... theater community is huge it's it's probably third or fourth to i know it's probably right behind i think texas has a pretty one of the texas cities maybe it's austin has a really big theater community but after yeah. new york and chicago we don't count la i mean <laughs> kansas city's pretty up there i think we're, we beat cincinnati is what i'm for saying. sure yeah and then boston we're gonna be in boston this weekend boston oh, has a big theater yeah. community too but um yeah unfortunately the the cool thing about this tour is that we're going everywhere. The unfortunate thing is, is that it's really a, a classic. It It's like the great cheesy movie circus tour. It's, it's like a circus. We roll into a town first thing in the morning. We load in the show. We set it up. We have to tech it and do a little quick rehearsal. And then we do the show and then we got to take it down and then we got to drive off. So unfortunately, I didn't get to really explore Kansas City uh, too much. Um, on top of my duties as performing as Crow, um, I'm also the lead puppeteer and um, maintenance, puppet maintenance guy. So I have to, you know, make sure all the puppets are good and I keep them, you know, in shape for the tour uh, because it's a lot of wear and tear on them. That's a lot of constant use. Um, so I have to, you know, and there's paint, you know, they're painted. So I got to do, you know, sometimes you got to touch up paint and you got to fix things here and there. So I'm usually stuck in the theaters when we go uh, into a town maybe get to to go out and grab some food i didn't i was unfortunately unable to go experience any uh cuisine and then we had to leave like really so, sometimes we can stay in a town for a few hours like we won't leave until like two or three in the morning so we can kind of like enjoy the night after the show uh last night we had to hit the road pretty early because we're on our way back to Pen uh, bethlehem pennsylvania we just made a quick stop uh for the day here in dayton ohio and then we're only here until like 10 p.m. And then uh, so they give us a hotel for the day to like shack up and rest and shower and all that stuff. And 
That's where so you I didn't get now. barbecue, is what I'm hearing. I did not get St. Louis barbecue, and I'm actually really bent out of shape. You mean Kansas City? It. Kansas City. Barbecue. I'm sorry, Kansas City. I and I'm really yeah, bent yeah, out of get shape. Get that St. Louis crap. Out I'm of sorry. Here. I was in St. Louis the day before that. Oh, it all that runs that? together. I don't think you understand. And I'm going well, in and out of Central and Eastern time zones. I, I don't know you, where I, I am. To, can't tell you to go to Kansas City Joe's or Oklahoma Joe's sad all right uh, no send me the list because i think we're coming back out this way again and i think we're making a stop uh i don't i know we're not performing in kansas city again but we're somewhere maybe columbia near columbia missouri is that you know where that is is that right uh is that, does no. that sound familiar is uh, no i don't know columbus? i gotta look at the i gotta look at the tour list no we were in columbus ohio a few days prior to that but uh I feel like somebody said it was like Columbia, Missouri. I don't know. Columbia, Missouri. We're going to be back in is, Missouri. Is, Tell me where to is, go, and I will go. I will make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Nate, thank you for sharing our story. I hope some uh, some people listening, maybe even some young puppeteers, found some inspiration in it, or at the very least, any artist of any kind can appreciate uh, getting some, someone. And it's and it's all, I should say, I should ask. It's all it's cracked up to be, right? I mean, it's, I mean you you got this gig, and that was you achieving the dream. But I mean, you know, sometimes when people achieve their dreams, they're like, oh, this wasn't worth it. But it sounds like you're having a pretty great it, time. In this case, it's 100 percent, 100 percent. It's it should be illegal as much fun as we're having. <laughs> like it, it's one of the it's like I can't believe I'm getting paid for this. Honestly, it's one of those like it's um, it, it yeah, it's we're having so much fun. And every night it's so different. It's like it can be it's a rigorous schedule. We're going to a new town every day, but that keeps it kind of fresh and it keeps us on our toes. And so things change all the time. Like we have a set show and we have, uh, you know, we have two different shows. Uh, if anybody's interested, we're we're going all over the place, all over the country through March. So check MST3KLive.com and look at the tour dates and see if we're coming to a city near you. There's two different movies that we're doing. We're doing um, uh, No Retreat, No Surrender, which is a fantastically, hilariously bad 80s karate movie where Jean-Claude Van Damme plays the Russian karate bad guy. And (laughs) the hero of the movie is a kid who trains to become a karate master from Bruce Lee's Ghost. I'm gonna okay. let that sit for a minute. It's yep. That sounds very 80s. It is. It is so 80s and so hilariously bad. And we have a, a blast ripping that movie apart. Did it come out in theaters then, or was it a VHS release? Oh, uh, it was a theatrical release. Yeah, but you oh can find it. You can, it's called No Retreat, No Surrender, and it's <laughs> tremendous. Uh, and then the second movie that we do is Circus of Horrors, and that's a really fascinatingly weird and kind of off-putting uh you know late 60s um movie uh and it's not like a it's scary in a way of like being creepy it's not like it's called circus of horrors but it's not like a jump out and scare you type of horror movie it's more of like a really creepy uh thriller type with a sadistic nazi plastic surgeon as the lead of the movie who owns a circus it's so weird and strange and uh it's also but it's very funny what we do to rip apart this movie um and then on top of that the two stage shows those who are familiar with the show we riff on the movies but then there's we take little breaks and then there's a stage you know the little sketch we call them host segments uh for the tv show that's what they were called so we call them that as well and uh that's when the bots do uh 
for one of the shows, we do a bunch of circus acts where all of the bots are doing their own circus performances. Uh, and then the other show uh, is like a, a traditional through line like the TV show would have where we're commenting on the movie that we're watching. But then there's like kind of like a through storyline uh, on stage outside of the movie. So and that's one that's really funny as well. So for the karate movie, we do the circus acts to make it the great cheesy movie circus tour. And then for the circus movie, we do kind of like a traditional comedy sketch acts. Well, whether this, I don't know when this will come out, but it's definitely going to come out before the end of the Before the show ends in March. Uh, If he's coming to your city, you should definitely go check it out. And Nate, thank you for coming on and uh, giving me so much of your in-between time today to uh, to talk all about about your career and your things. I so, really, I really appreciate you even uh, thinking about wanting to have me on. I, re- it's this is great. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, and uh, thank you to everyone listening for listening. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And thank you for visiting Defunct Land.